0: Okay, here we go, nice and
1: quiet. Sound speeds, camera rolling.
2: Holding for sound, last looks, calling for last looks.
1: And set, and action. I need to swap batteries. You know, making movies is hard.
2: Making movies is hard.
1: Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, the podcast about the struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Oliver Purcell. I'm Liz Manichelle. This week we have writer-director Emily Hagen's on the show to talk about starting directing at a young age.
3: And I, this is what I encourage kids that want to make movies that ask, you know, what, what did you do? And how do I do that? They said, you know, don't let it, even if you don't have a lot of money, don't let anyone tell you what you can't accomplish. Because if you're just feeling motivated and you're a kid, you don't really know what your limits are. Just, just keep learning and, and anywhere you can and, and making things because you'll learn by making, making things. and.
1: And by young, I mean, I think she was making short films at 10 or something like that. Didn't she make her first feature? She was 12, right? When yeah. she made her first one? Yeah, it's insane. It took a long
2: time though. So I think, you know, it wasn't like she made it and released it at age 12.
1: No, no, it took a couple of years, but still, I think like, she, like when you're making your second feature at 15 or whatever it is, it's like, <laughs> okay. All right. You know, and, and not just making, I mean, and I think like, you know, there's other people who young made feature. I tried to make a feature when I was that age, I failed. Um, but the thing about her is she like actually had success with it. It got into film festivals, you know, and like then someone made a documentary about her when she was age. Uh, it's crazy, man. She had a crazy, crazy career, but, um, but yeah, I mean, now she's directed five feature films and she most recently directed uh, the segment Cold Open for the new anthology film Scare Package, which is now streaming Yay! on Shudder, which I've seen. And the trailer Joe Bob like,
2: did
1: it. Oh, Joe Bob did it. Oh, my God. I got to see the Joe Bob. Oh, my man. Okay. Um, yeah, but she was this was like, like, I was just looking at the raw footage. It's like an hour and 15 minutes that we talked to Emily. And I know we talked to her before <laughs> we start recording. And I think we talked to her after <laughs> we stopped recording, too. Like, we just talked to her forever because she's just so amazing. I mean, My God, she's
2: amazing. Can I, I'm going to say something. I hope it's not presumptuous and has nothing to do with her amazingness. If I felt like I was talking to myself, if that makes sense, (laughs) not because of like her amazing accolades, but I think that she and I have similar neuroses where we're like constantly commenting on the last thing that we said within the next (laughs) statement that was like, oh, this is what it's like. Like, this is really cool to talk to someone (laughs) who sounds like me.
1: That's um, really funny she's so
2: lovely. She's so cool to talk to.
1: Yeah. I just really found her extremely engaging and interesting. And it was like the most fun like filmmaker conversation that you can imagine. And I love talking to filmmakers. Like I just talk to anytime I can talk to a filmmaker, I talk to a filmmaker. Um, but this was like such such a blast. Um, so I hope you guys liked it as much as we enjoyed. <laughs> talking to emily um but i think before we get to our conversation with uh with emily liz
2: you have mail you you have mail breath catches in my chest as i hear three little words you've got mail
1: so liz what do you got for us
2: All right. Well, we have another iTunes review, and this one is from a new listener, Crazy Star Wars Fanboy, uh, who gave us five stars. Very kind. Uh, Crazy Star Wars Fanboy says, I came here just to watch the Joe Bob interview Um, and was pleasantly surprised. Great host. I will listen to other episodes now. Good job, guys. It was like, because, you know, like horror fans or genre fans in general can be like a little... Sometimes they could be mean and judgy. They, like, may not think that we're in the club, you know? Because we interviewed Joe Bob and we could just be these, like, you know, podcasters who just wanted to, I don't know, piggyback off of Joe Bob's fame. But I think Crazy Star Wars fanboy knows that, like, (laughs) we are real Joe Bob fans. And we're not phonies in that Well, if
1: you listen to the whole episode, there's no way that you could think that we're phonies. just the way that we reacted to the whole thing. Um, (laughs) You know... And then like, yeah, I made like sci-fi short films and horror shorts and you're running right. a horror feature. So it's like, yeah, we're we're in the, come on. I think it's clear that we're, we're like- Well, he didn't
2: know we were in the club until he listened to us. I right, think. And so that's we, we, true. So we earned him listening to other- you know episodes which i think is really cool
1: oh um, super cool
2: um so if anyone out there listening wants to be like crazy star wars fanboy uh you can you too can leave a review on itunes or stitcher or if that's you know like a heavy lift you can send us a question comment suggestion to podcast at making movies is um we have a patreon page if you love the show and you want to support us you could go to patreon.com slash mmih podcast and toss us whatever you can afford. I know it's the holidays, but we would appreciate it. Uh, unending unending love and support from us. You could get uh, a cool sticker. Should I show the sticker? Because I have them next to me at all moments. Sticker. Yes. Sticker. Amazing. Sticker. Uh, I always send two, by the way, um, even oh. though you're paying for one. Uh, nice. You can get an enamel pin um, and just um, anyth- anything you want. Just tell us what you want. <laughs>
1: Maybe we'll just you see on out. camera. We'll just send it to you. It's fine.
2: Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, lastly, if you head over to our Instagram page, which is under that same MMIH podcast uh username, click on the link in the bio, head on over to YouTube with this show that you're listening to, you may be listening to on YouTube. But if you're not, you could be listening to it on YouTube. So head there and and thank you so much. And that's the end of our promotional segments.
1: <laughs> and promotional jargon. Yes. Um and begin get shorty you make movies huh i produce feature motion pictures i got an idea for a movie boo oh man so written and directed and produced and starring Rackfit fit i think i'm getting that right um but uh but yeah what an amazing short this is and boo is the name of the short i wasn't just scaring you um but yeah i mean we got a bunch of shorts recently and this one i I didn't watch all of them We probably only watched just the two that we've had on but uh i watched this one first and i just immediately like was hooked by it and um you know i really love what she had to say about her film because i watched her her uh, response already and i'm really really excited to hear what liz has to think about this one because like the last time i brought a horror short to the show Didn't go so well. It was not um, loved (laughs) by Liz the way I thought it was going to be. And I Mm -hmm. like this one a lot more than the other one. And so I kind of think that um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you agree. Anyways, before we get to that, here is uh, Rekfet to talk about her film.
0: Hey, I'm Rekfet Abergel. I am the writer, director, producer of Boo. I actually also starred in it. Um, and that's who I am (laughs) and will answer some questions that um, I've been asked. So, why did I make a short versus any other medium? Well, shorts are a lot easier to make. Um, They're cheaper to make, usually. Um, and it would be really silly of me to jump into the feature film, um, pond, um, without having made a short or two. Why this story? This story, um, came about because I had a boyfriend at the time who used to call me Boo. Um, and I named the character after him in the film. Um, it was based on a story. He told me about a friend of his who was freaking out when he got in the car to pick him up. Um, and it kind of just, it kind of just turned into what Boo is today. (laughs) I wanted to have a message in the story as well and not just be a horror. I wanted it to have some kind of metaphor or meaning and so it kind of evolved into a story about addiction. How did your team come up with the funds? I had a team of people who helped me a lot to make the teaser for the crowdfunding campaign that we had to do to get the funds. A lot of people shared it and donated which was really helpful. So we did crowdfunding, we did it on Seed and Spark and it's a great company, woman-owned woman and operated, um, and they really set you up for success. Uh, it's very hard to fail using their platform. Um, and we and I wrote emails to like a thousand people, like everybody I've ever met in my whole life, um, hoping that they would give me a little bit of money so that we could make the movie. Before making the short, what did you think would happen to your career because of it? Um, I was just hoping that I would get known and seen in the, um, at least in the indie film festival circuit scene so that eventually somebody might see it and hire me as either a writer, a director, an actor, a producer, not really what I want to do, but I actually find myself doing it a lot and maybe I'm kind of good at it. It's just a lot of stress and I'm not good with stress, um... And I guess I just wanted people to notice me and see my talent for whatever whatever that's worth. And uh, what ended up happening, um, I got some meetings and I met a lot of people. And I think I've definitely made a name for myself, um, at least in the indie horror scene. And um, I'm hoping that people uh, know that when I make something that it's a good product And they look forward to seeing more of my work. Um, Now that it's out in the world, what purpose does it serve? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, maybe entertainment. Um, I'm I'm hoping it's entertaining. I also hope that maybe it's cathartic in some ways for some people, depending on their life experiences. Um, I had somebody come up to me at a screening and tell me that he was sober However many years, he said, and that he really felt like I showed what it was like to be an addict. Um, And he felt really kind of seen, which was really cool. So I hope that somebody gets something good out of that. Um, What would you do differently story-wise with the short now that you've lived with it for a few years? Well, I've actually only lived with it for about a year. Um, Story-wise, I don't know. I feel like I'm really happy with the story. I worked really hard on the script. Um, it took me a while to write. I had a lot of outside help. It was co-written story-wise with Tiffany Keeley, Kylie. Oh man, I never say her name right. Sorry, (laughs) Tiffany Kylie. I want to say Keeley because that just seems right. Anyway, she helped me a lot. Alec Rossell also helped me a lot getting the script together. Um, and so I don't know that I would change anything, but I am working on a feature version of boo, and so I'm having to think about the story in a broader sense, and what else I might want to say. Um, so I hope that <laughs> I hope I figure out what that is, <laughs> and that you get to see a boo feature, or at least read one soon. Um, if you have any ideas, send them my way. I'm open to it, and I'm losing my voice because I'm a teacher during the week and all I do is talk on the computer. <laughs> so, thank you for asking me these questions and I hope I answered them the way that you wanted. <laughs> and um yeah. Thank you so much. Go watch Boo. It's on Alter, um on Facebook and uh YouTube. It's also on my Vimeo page. It's going to be at some other places as well. It's on Bloody TV. Um, it's going to be other places soon. Um, and my first film Jackson Love is on Amazon Prime and Vimeo on demand. Um, and you can find me at Kef827 on Instagram or at Cyclamen Films on Facebook. Just search me or my films or Cyclamen Films. You'll find me. Um, great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Bye.
1: So Liz what did you think i just saw your first tab and i'm like okay yeah i'm here here here, i see where we're going
2: i didn't know that was her i didn't until i mean i didn't listen i never listen to the submissions like the answers to the questions that they submit in until i listen to the show after you edit it (laughs) (laughs) so i'm always just like speaking um out of my butt uh not knowing the context of of how this film was made but um She was great. I didn't even know that was her. That's really cool. Okay. Um, What I loved about this short, and once y'all watch it, um, hopefully you'll see what I mean, but it's more than just a one note joke, right? So like there's the big twist, which I don't know whether we want to say or not, but there's substance to the short because she was essentially sexually assaulted in a, in a car and they don't ignore that like anytime her boyfriend gets near her she's she's you know taken aback she's protective of her body she puts a jacket on her you could see that she's gone through a certain level of trauma of the assault and even though that's like the main twist of the whole film has nothing to do with her assault they didn't ignore that and I was like very happy about that I love Um, Roccafette I didn't know that she was the writer director producer and I hope she won't be offended I'm a curvy lady and I really love seeing curvy ladies on screen it just like makes me so happy to see different types of bodies represented so um, thank you thank you for being on screen and giving (laughs) a fantastic performance and then once you know the twist of the film I loved the clues that were peppered in the beginning you could rethink the entire dialogue that her and her recovery friends were having and it it's like way funnier knowing the twist so uh I really enjoyed this film I thought it was great uh I guessed the twist fairly early but I think that's because it was on a horror channel and so you knew there was going to be something that was going on that wasn't said um but uh either way Arik, do you feel the same way I do?
1: Yeah, I uh, I really like this one a lot, as I already said. I think this was really great. Um, I love this kind of writing because I have a tried to do this kind of thing in my own work, and I think she did a better job than I, than I have done, you know, just as far as, like, you know, leaving the subtle clues that you could never guess on your own before, and then when you go back and watch it again, like, it all makes sense, and it all ties into, like, the reveal, you know? Including the sexual assault scene, because, like that you know that happens and then you're like wait wait so she just killed him <laughs> like how how did she do that like that doesn't you know that kind of is like the first sort of question mark for me is like how did that like that seems crazy and like the the line she has look what you made me do has so much double meaning when you get to the end it's so good and I'm like oh man wait like, but
2: you guessed the twist didn't you you knew that I didn't know early.
1: she was in a eating human person yes you
2: did you so, totally did
1: i didn't i wonder if i'm just slow but um, no i think
2: it's just because i was like alter horror there's got to be a double entendre here that i'm not you know well
1: i seeing. was expecting something like that and then when the rape scene happened i was like ah, is this just like a dark rape? like this can't be like what is it it's got to be something else you know because this is too too heavy for what i was expecting you know and then and then you sort of like that that for me it was that little moment where you know you you sort of where she's like look what you made me do and you're like wait this doesn't really add up and then and then you're just sort of waiting for it but then like you said like all those stuff where she's reacting to him and she's so shaken and yeah. it's like that that trump that trauma that you go through after a, a horrific terrible thing happens um, it was it was really authentic. And but then again, more double meaning when you yes. get to the end. It's yes. it's so brilliant. Um, and I just I, I love her performance. I thought she was amazing. I, I really do think she was great. Like, you know, from the beginning, I was immediately engaged by her you know and i think that's like a hard thing to do especially considering she wrote directed it produced it and she started oh it i was like dude wait
2: i wanted to add something i loved the joke there's that like friend who's crazy the blonde girl in the beginning and she's like i used to live in this small european town a oh. long long time ago <laughs> i just think that's yes. so funny now Amazing! It's so great now
1: yeah it makes so much more sense it's so perfect <laughs> um yeah, I was gonna say about the the sexual assault scene. It was so disgusting and scary. And the guy they got to play Michael Villar. The,
2: he's a friend he was, of mine. Oh, I didn't he really? know he was in this short. Was, oh my he's God. so great.
1: He was so sweaty and disgusting, and just <laughs> oh, it was great. And just the way that they portrayed the whole thing, and then like the lure with the alcohol, and then like yeah. you feel terrible when she takes the sip, and then like where it goes, it's just it's so, ugh. but like the ending makes it all worthwhile. Like, if the ending wasn't in there the way it was, I, I don't know if I'd be okay with that scene. It's just like a little too right. much, but um, but yeah, I think with the ending, it was perfect. Um, so yeah, I don't know. The ending, amazing. That's like, if you've seen any of my short films, I do endings like this, but not as good. And uh yeah, great, great job. I mean, talk about delivering on um, the yeah. premise of a horror short, you know, and doing it right at the end. And I, and I don't think like, like I have had the problem, like, so my short brother has a lot of similarities to this, except I didn't have, an opening scene with any kind of gore or intensity. It just starts with the slow burn and goes to the end and the end has the big reveal. And I think um, this film benefits from having that little bit of excitement up in the beginning to kind of, you know, get you set, you know, cause it kind of starts with the, with her, her, you know, coming and meeting her, her fiance, like all bloody and messed up. Um, so yeah, I don't know. But I, basically what I'm trying to say is, I love the short.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're both on board for this. Well done. Oh, so good.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because I was hoping that you were going to have the same reaction because I, I felt like all the boxes that the other short we reviewed or, or review talked about didn't hit. I thought this one hit perfectly. And so, you know, justified the violence, had a meaning, had a point, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. not to say I don't think the other one had a point, but you know, it's just different anyways. What I'm trying to say is fantastic job. And when you do the crowdfunding campaign for the feature, I will be the first one in because I want to see this Aww. feature version. She's writing a feature of this Oh, right
2: that's now. so nice. So, well, if I listened to her video, I would know that, I think.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one last thing. This is kind of silly, but like, so I emailed her at 11 o'clock or something yesterday morning. She responded immediately. I sent her the questions. She had her answers within like, like by 12, 15 or something. So it was almost like within an hour of me f- reaching out for her to, to do this. She had already recorded her responses.
2: She's just like ideal on every <laughs> level, isn't she? <laughs> like, oh my
1: god, like talk about like, you know, just being on the ball. I was like, man, so impressed. Anyways, um, everyone should watch this film. Everyone should follow uh, RecFet, if I'm saying the name right. And um, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Send us your short film. Blow us away the same way with whatever you're working on. I want to be blown away like this again. Um, so yeah, I think without any more jibber jabber, though, it's time for our very long, very fun, very awesome chat with Emily
2: Higgins.
1: Higgins. <laughs> Should we leave it in like that? Or? <laughs> yes. okay.
2: Emily Hagens. Emily Hagens.
1: <laughs> and I kind of just want to have uh, the conversation we were having before. Like well, I think we could keep
2: going. <laughs> okay. Right? I mean, so, like, uh, Emily, you were asking how to outline, and I was like, I don't know. Like, I think, Ulrich, you had an answer. How do you outline a script?
1: Yeah, so, well, for my feature, The Alternate, I I wrote the ending first, and then I kind of went back and outlined. So I sort of laid on my bed. I thought of this idea of, like, what this thing could be, and then I thought of, like, what the ending of this situation would be, and, like, what the final part what it would be and like i just had kind of had that so i wrote that down really like loosely like kind of as prose and then i went ahead and um outlined the whole script in two days and uh and then after i had it all outlined and i just like kind of worked like a maniac like i just like sat on my computer and i just did it like all the time and then um and then from there i started writing the draft but, you know, I, I think outlining is good. And I feel like I have lots of, like, mixed feelings about outlining because the script I was trying to write before I outlined for, oh, months. And then I could never really finish the outline because I kept on getting stuck. And then the whole movie just didn't happen, just didn't never wrote it, you know? So I feel like, but maybe that's good. Maybe it didn't need to be re- written, you know? But I feel like... I don't know. As long as you don't get lost in outlining, I think you can get lost in it. You
2: need to jump on the momentum, right? right? I mean, I know if Emily, if you feel this similarly, but I just think if I don't write it, I won't ever write it, you know? Yeah. But yeah, what, for
3: sure. what are your issues with outlining? Yeah. I, I think um, when I go back and look at the outline after the script is done, I just every time find that I've divulged a hundred percent. I haven't divulged. <laughs> oh my gosh. I didn't go back to school. I go away from the outline
1: diverged
3: <laughs> uh, diverged um i don't wake up this early um personally but no i'm trying to this is good um but uh yeah i i i, I just kind of disregard everything i've written in the outline including just basically it'll be like the first couple of bullet points okay that's kind of how i set it up and then just complete left or right turn is my right hand away from what uh you know i've, I've started so I, I always think, oh, if I'm just going to go away from this anyway, why don't I just stay in the moment of my my script and uh, you know just kind of follow the path it's laid out for me? Every screenwriting book I've ever read says absolutely never do that. So I'm thinking, but that's what I do too. I do
0: the <laughs> same pressing. thing. Wait, but are you happy away. at
3: the end, like with your script? Do you think? Yeah. Well, I, one of my uh, recent scripts, I. Um, I wrote it all in, in only a couple of sittings. I was like, oh, I was just feeling it, you know, writing 30 pages a day. It was crazy. And I was like, this is this is great. And I read over it and I hated it from the second half on and I just threw it in the trash. I started over and, and I just started from the point where I thought it went off the rails. And uh, and I was, I was much happier um, with the second half. So I guess like as long as you're okay with, throwing away huge chunks if you're just like, oh, I, sw- I wasted days and, <laughs> and 50 pages of, of time on this. Um, but normally I just write like three or four pages a day. I don't write 30 pages a day. It was more like an experiment in, in you know, uh, for that idea that I was, I was working with. But uh, I think outlining is extremely valuable to, to understanding, you know, what your characters will be going through so that you know how to, how to, you know, move the plot and character arcs forward at the same time because you can't, you know, stall either of those things out the script. You have to use your time wisely so you're not wasting your audience's time. So outlining helps you to do to do that. But I fundamentally understand what I'm supposed to do, <laughs> but uh, it's not always um, easy for me. I just like to hash things out in the dialogue. And as we were talking about before we started. Just being, uh, you know, kind of in this dial, maybe oversharing too much in the dialogue, cutting it out (laughs) later, but kind of hashing it out with the people talking. Well, you get to know your characters
2: that way, I think, right? And you figure out what the limits of their personality are.
3: Yeah, but I love what you
2: said. I'm not efficient as a writer, so I love the intention of efficiency and moving things forward when I'm writing I know I'm not thinking about moving things forward I'm like what is this room like what is this what is she thinking today
3: (laughs) I like that I like all these different styles it's really inspiring to me to hear how other people find their headspace (laughs) to be in that in that world for them it's I always want to, every time someone says something new, both of you guys are talking about what you do, I'm just saying, oh, I want to do that. That sounds great. <laughs> like, I want to, I just, have, I like to be inspired by what other people um, do to get there. Because it's it's nice to have a toolbox in case your way isn't working that day and you can't get in that headspace. You know? Wait,
2: and how many scripts have you written? I know that we're going, we're going back to the beginning after being in the midst of this conversation, but um,
3: you've written like gazillions of scripts, I assume. I, I I have a, I think five right now that I'm hoping like you know all you know in different places oh maybe this one will go maybe this one way after the pandemic because there's too many people around or like maybe this one later you know um, and at, at this moment there's there's been some scripts I've, I've written that I, I kind of knew maybe wouldn't go anywhere for one reason or another you know a few years ago like I, I uh, got the rights to a novel and myself I just paid the, the, the people and I, I adapted it but it was only for two years and the movie didn't go so I was like I'm not going to renew this this option and I just learned how to adapt a book and that was a really useful um, opportunity for me and I still like that script but I don't I don't own it so that's okay and it helped me when I uh, got a job adapting another book into a movie and I was like oh well, I've done this before so it, it was a good exercise but that script will sit forever but that's okay you know there's some there's some kind of like that too but uh yeah um yeah I I guess right now I have like I guess about five that I'm hoping (laughs) can be made at some point
2: but like prior to those five you've written I mean you've made like five or six I really wish I put my put your CV in front of me you've made like five or six features at this point
3: uh five yes five But, it's you know, amazing. the script I'm writing when I'm 12 is, like, it's written in, like, uh, you know, Microsoft Word, <laughs> like, it's not, like, <laughs> 50 pages or something, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I, I wrote uh, those, and one of them was adapted from the book I I, I got that job to do, and, um, five, yeah, <laughs> and and some short some short films, like, uh, Scare Package, we were going to talk about, I wrote the segment I did for that, and did a segment of another horror anthology, so... It's all kind of like, I, I get kind of in awe of someone who can write a really amazing short and can and can condense, you know, everything that goes into a feature with, with arcs and plot into something that's really awesome in like 10 minutes. <laughs> I have trouble with that. Um, I've tried to turn some of my features into a short. Oh, what if we made the short first? And I just have a lot of trouble condensing <laughs> all the information from a feature into a short. I think you can, I've I expanded a short once into a feature, but um, I, I think I, I'm just really impressed with people that can really, you know, nail the, the short form as well.
1: So speaking of Scare Package, um, how many days did you shoot that project?
3: Uh, we shot for three, three days. Um, it's funny because I shot a film, another short film, uh, a couple months after that. Um, and that came out way sooner than Scare Package. Scare Package came out uh, this year, a couple months ago in the summer. And um yeah, we our segment was uh, about 15 minutes and in, in 3 days. <laughs> can you talk about the budget of the segment and the budget of the whole or what can you talk about budget wise? Um I think cuz I'm I'm lead I'm not the the person in charge I'm not supposed to say those things. But uh we uh it was it was okay <laughs> for me. I I I guess it wasn't you know, billions of dollars, but but we made it work. We filmed in Austin, which is where I'm from, and we had such an amazing cast and crew in Austin. And um, uh, you know, we worked really hard. Our, our last day was a little long, <laughs> longer than I would like to uh, shoot. Uh, to be respectful of our, our team and um, being there, but we we got through it. It's because we had some stunts and we had to just make sure it was extra safe. You know, and some people falling down and we just didn't want to rush anything like that and have someone get hurt. So uh, we were going along for the right reasons, but still, you know, it was a lot to do in three days. Uh, And um, I think when the budget was limited, we just had to be extra creative. Um, And people in Austin are very good at, you know, let's all rally and, you know, use what we have. And oh, who has a, a a knife that can be a prop in the scene? That sounds scary, but we did have to ask that. <laughs> someone's like, I have a knife uh, in Texas. Like, hey, who's the biggest knife to put on the table? Um, so uh, I just talked about safety and then I said that. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think, like, you know, people like to rally, you know, help make it the best film possible. I love shooting in Austin.
1: <laughs> when you say long how long is long you're talking like 14 hours 16 hours 20 hours
3: oh my gosh no no (laughs) yeah uh, 14 maybe 15 hours Mm. I I think it was uh 2018 I want to say 14 or 15 hours um it was the problem was like the last scene we were shooting chronologically because of the stunts and the blood that was getting everywhere and you know once the we had backups of the clothes but once something gets soiled in a specific way like blood splatters all over someone's face, you can't really recreate it exactly without taking a lot of time to do that. And that's not something we had. (laughs) So uh, we had, um, you know, we're like, okay, let's just go chronologically, if something really, you know, horrible goes wrong, we can like replace one of the shirts, but let's just try to keep it consistent. And the short was supposed to end at night, but the sun had come all the way up and there were skylights and there were, there was not a way we could like pretend like that hadn't happened. So we had to kind of lean into, um, you add some lines kind of at the end, rework the whole ending, even in overtime (laughs) where they're saying, Oh, it's daylight now. I didn't realize the sun had come up. And the (laughs) other character says, uh, cause it's like a meta horror movie. The other character says, Oh, horror movies always end in the daylight. It's a sign of hope, you know? So we, we kind of oh. leaned into the joke there that That's the sun funny. had mysteriously <laughs> risen in the course of the night um but but you know we work with what you have
1: <laughs> so how long did you work on the film from inception to it being released i
3: want to say uh well it was kind of a, a, a break at times because there are several segments so we filmed in three days but we had a couple months to you know prep and make sure and get everything like ready to go um like we knew we were on the project but we were not actively working on the project in the spring and then um it was like I think May 2018 we were we were filming and editing and then it was kind of a long break because all the other segments had to wrap up and then we uh I think in 2019 we did the rest of the post-production like the color and sound and and all that because they they did it all once the movie was was ready which makes sense (laughs) so it was a kind of strange oh we're not working on this for several months we're back on it we're not on it and then it it came out this year in 2020 so it's kind of crazy to me two years later
2: on shutter (laughs) with joe bob briggs announcing it it was like such (laughs) a huge deal joe bob briggs all Joe i i'm trying to convince joe Bob briggs like i want him to be on the show and part of it is like bringing him up as many times as possible um so <laughs> I, wish um, I knew him <laughs> that's help so you cool. uh, uh
3: he's just like yeah he's the best um how
2: big was your crew
3: that you worked with i, I think about um 12 people or so um, maybe yeah. <laughs> i'm probably look at the scope what are you talking about <laughs> i i like 12 faces come to mind <laughs> roughly <laughs> uh you know like a three-person G&E team two-person sound team uh, you know I think each department was roughly like eight, three people or so and then script supervisor camera person assistant camera <laughs> uh, yeah I mean it, was, it wasn't huge maybe maybe 15 people uh, but we, we were mostly in like a house so we couldn't overload the, <laughs> the, the structure with people um, <laughs> but uh, it was, it was a good size for me, independent filmmaker. And then
1: out of all your projects, how difficult was this one to make?
3: Yeah, I think um, I've done some movies that are just kids, like teenagers going through things and they just sit around and talk and get through some problems. <laughs> and this one had some some stunts and some choreography. And um, because it was horror comedy, it wasn't just the choreography of the action. I wanted it to feel like a dance or like a Looney Tunes cartoon. And so we were really of specific uh with what that choreography looked like and that took a lot of time and uh and then the safety and um so i would say it was it was harder in those ways but in some ways just we had some great performers that just would nail it in a couple of takes and that was that was great (laughs) didn't have to take a lot to get the performances so that was good. Okay, we have to go back to the beginning because Alric doesn't have the
2: context <laughs> that I do about how amazing Emily is. Um, I was building a panel for South By several years ago. I sat next to Alana Hauser at Sundance and I was like, Alana, do you, do you know any like – micro budget female filmmakers and she's uh like, oh, my friend emily is <laughs> and then uh and then she told me i think at that time you had made four features when i when you were recommended to me and that you made your first feature when you were 12 and ever since then i've just been like oh i want to be like emily when i grow up she's so she's like 10 years younger than me but she's still i want to be like her <laughs> um, she's so cool so I'm sure everyone asks you these questions, but just to bring us the context of the conversation, like making your first feature at age 12, can you talk a little bit about
3: why you did it, what inspired you and how you achieved that? Well, just, just, I have to follow that because it was so nice that ever since we met on that panel, I talk about you to my family all the time. I'm like, Liz is one of my role models. She's so, like I feel like your Facebook presence like brings me joy. <laughs> just we talk yeah. about movies and and Valley Girl. We're both big Valley Girl fans, right? <laughs> yes. Original Valley Girl. Yes. Oh, yeah. uh, gee. <laughs> I I have. I was just trying to explain to someone yesterday just how that's the greatest '80s teen movie, and they were just like, "I don't even want to hear it anymore." <laughs> just like, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> okay, so, Um But um, yeah, I I, uh, I guess it's just a big movie nerd even before I started making um you know my own films I just loved watching movies. My parents would be um you know just supportive of that and take me anytime I wanted to go. I saw um, the Fellowship of the Ring twenty-three times in the theater. I just would go <laughs> like every day <laughs> and go see that movie. Very creepy. Uh, even before that, I saw Spy Kids like I think eight or nine times in the theater. Just anytime time I said, I just want to go back. I want to see it again. <laughs> like roll it again. <laughs> and um, and then I my parents kind of put together. You might be interested in in making movies. And because um, I like to write a lot when I was young and. Um, so my dad, he had worked at like a, an ad agency, like a really small one. And when he was uh, out of college, so he had kind of these like 70s um, storyboard, like papers and like ways you can kind of plan out a movie, like in the garage and we had a home video camera. So he said, if you want to make a movie, you know, you plan it out on the storyboards and you write the shot list and then we'll walk through editing together. And um but you you have to plan, you have to be organized before you shoot anything. <laughs> and then uh once you um shoot it, you have to edit it. I'm not gonna do it for you. And if you really like this, you know, maybe you can make some short films. And so I uh really loved it and I've made my own short films and I Austin, where I grew up, was such a um supportive community of like there were screenings you could go to of old movies and somebody would be here to talk about be there to talk about it. And um it was I just felt like I was able to, you know, I was lucky to have all these resources just, um, you know, not, not financially, but to, but at my fingertips in, in my community and with my parents being so supportive and showing me the steps. And so I sh- ended up shadowing on another feature film when I was about 10. And I was like, okay, great. This is like what oh I could just do in my, my spare time. And uh, it was like a very wow. guerrilla film. It wasn't like you know a, a bigger production but I just thought oh this is something I could do and so I I, I did it I guess.
1: you shadowed a and, movie when you were 10 when you were well, 10 it, you shadowed on a movie do you know how insane that sounds it's so cool, it's it's that, crazy. It's so cool.
3: It's awesome. at the time I wasn't I didn't I I guess, like, it wasn't, it was, like, one thing at a time, I was just so interested, and my parents were so supportive, I mean, they would go with me, they wouldn't just, like, leave me there and be like, good luck, you know, Um, it was just, uh, I I guess I just didn't realize, and and this is what I encourage kids that want to make movies, that ask, you know, "What, what did you do, and how do I do that, they said, you know, don't let it, even if you don't have a lot of money, don't let anyone tell you what you can't, accomplish because if you're just feeling motivated and you're a kid, you don't really know what your limits are just, just keep learning and, and anywhere you can and, and making things because you'll learn by making, making things. And um, it was a long process when I was 12, because it wasn't, didn't have money, you know, it didn't have, it was just a pizza now and then. And uh, there was a documentary crew that ended up following the, the process and that film just got re-released actually. Um, I think last week at um alamo drop alamo on demand service um so that's that's back <laughs> the documentary hey, what's the documentary, one documentary one called? called what is uh, that it's called zombie girl the movie um and
1: i did not make
3: it that's the thing it's like people think oh you made that movie about you making the movie I said absolutely not <laughs> i did not do that someone else did that um but uh it follows the process and um and i think you know for some kids i could show oh this is what a kid is looked like trying to make their own film so hopefully it's useful (laughs) to them yeah that's kind of how I ended up there
1: how much money did you raise for your first feature when you were 12
3: it was a lot of uh donated time right And, and it was I did not uh, grow up with special resources. We were using my home video camera. Our boom mic was a, a microphone that we were very excited about, just like a, kind of like what Liz has, something like that, but just tapes to, <laughs> with a duct tape, with, to a, a, a painting roller, you know? Oh it was goodness. like, just very,
1: wow.
3: <laughs> I don't know, uh, just whatever people had, you know, oh, who has leftover Halloween makeup? And my mom is a graphic designer, so she was there, helping do the zombie makeup and, <laughs> and uh, my dad would come after work and um you know there was a lot of false starts to it a lot of kids didn't want to be there making a movie every day but we shot it in like seven days you know once we got into uh-huh. it it was just just a very quick process and I mean you know we just said okay we have to get it done um now and um it was you know, <laughs> just kind of whatever we could. I, there was no budget laid out for it. It was a thing. It wasn't like, oh, my parents gave me ten thousand dollars or anything like just, that. Was in my mind, I, that would have blown my mind. It was just like, here's a pizza. Good luck. You know?
1: uh, wow.
3: And then
2: you That's edited amazing. it
3: for the next. Like, how long did you edit it? Like, who who edited it? E- yes, I think so. <laughs> I remember editing. I hope someone's not offended. Um if, I think so. It, we were working in iMovie at the time. Um, you know, one of those IMAX that was like mm-hmm. bubbles. With the colors, uh, the different colors. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that was, uh, and I think we eventually upgraded to one that was slightly flat. flatter in that process. Wow. The whole thing was, was uh, I think, three or four years. I started it when I was about 11 and I finished it when I was about 14. Um, and I don't think people really realize that, how long it was taking to, to make it. Right. Um, but I think that's what the the documentary kind of covers those years. I don't look that different from when I did in the documentary. And that's kind of a problem for me. So I don't really encourage people to watch it because I looked like an old 12 year old. And I look like, I guess the same. <laughs> I don't know, like, I don't look, uh, people would think I was a lot older at the time I have the same like haircut anyway I I get kind of nervous when people watch it now because it's been so much time and I kind of just look the same and it's kind of freaky um but (laughs) not that I look young I just looked old then (laughs) is what I mean Uh, do you think that people
2: I don't know I mean I I I'm acknowledging that you've said this this isn't something I've thought about you Emily but like if you think you look young or that you look the same do you ever feel like people don't Take you seriously as a filmmaker?
3: Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, I have, to, I had to completely reevaluate what I wore to meetings in the last couple of years because uh, I realized the more I dressed like um, a man, the better the meeting would go. Really? And oh, so geez. I, uh well I realized one day when I was taking some meetings I had lunch with some friends and um there was women and they were wearing blazers everyone was wearing a blazer but me and I was like oh my gosh I haven't and they look you know great in the blazers I I don't look very good in a blazer but uh I I real I started wearing like movie t-shirts and jeans to meetings instead of I would wear like a nice Blouse or like a dress or something, but it looked more like I was going to Sunday school, I guess. And I started wearing my hair back, and the meetings went uh better because I dressed differently, and that that alarmed me <laughs> to, to a degree. I I go in with a different um mindset when I meet with executives of like how masculine can I be in this meeting, which is uh, it's crazy, but it it goes better, and it it still it, it upsets me, I guess. Oh uh gosh. and
2: that's a whole show i'm like what do you yeah. say how do you change your voice tell me everything i want to do oh it yeah
3: <laughs> i don't do the elizabeth holmes like Theranos, Like i don't do that <laughs> but i mean like uh you know i'll uh, <laughs> uh you know go in and if i see something related to a movie that maybe is more of like a guy movie in the office i'll start talking about that, like a horror movie or something oh you've got What's your favorite Friday the Thirteenth movie, or <laughs> whatever? You know, like it's uh, Dream Warriors, obviously.
2: Know. Oh fuck, that's not Friday the Thirteenth. We've got to cut that out.
3: We <laughs> have to cut it out. <laughs> oh, you just so said Dream Warriors, yes. and I was like, yes. And I was
1: like, wait. I'll, I almost have to <laughs> no, leave that no. in, though, Liz, No, please don't. <laughs> it's, too, it's too funny. It's too funny. Oh,
3: I'm so embarrassed. If you if you like Dream Warriors, cause that's also my favorite. as uh, yes, a Nightmare on the Street movie. Uh, I think my favorite of the Friday the Thirteenth movies is part six so I that's the one I would recommend to you if if you share the same favorite I'm, I'm trying I'm,
2: to remember what happens the is this the one the beginning's pretty notable or is this is this the resurrection of Jason And the there's a resurrection opening that I really like in one of the Friday where 13th he's first. like
3: um in the graveyard. Yes <laughs> that, one. Totally, yeah, <laughs> that one totally yeah that's I love that one it's yes, so good. It's very good. good. <laughs> I don't I don't completely I also am a firm believer in you know presenting myself you know, honestly, in a meeting, because I've been told, oh, if you want to get this job, you go in and you act like this and you say that. And, um, and I don't want to, I don't want to be somebody I'm not in a meeting either. So, so I go in myself, but I also like dress differently for meetings now than, than I used to. And it bums me out because I thought I was putting in a nice effort, but apparently it was making me look younger and Not like a, not like a director. And this is like what I've been told. You don't, well, you don't look like a director. And I don't know if you've had this happen to you as well, but it's, you don't sound like a director. You don't yell, you know, (laughs) these, these things you have to be, I was told once you have to be more masculine if you want anyone to listen to you on set (laughs) by a producer. Yeah.
1: Yelling's out from a director. I think we don't think don't think that's a thing that people do anymore. My that
3: feels like 40s like with the, with the cone. Thing, you yeah. Know? yeah that's, that seems ridiculous. Um, yeah. But I, I don't even like if, so, if the actors are really far away, I don't even like to yell action. I have someone who's much louder. Yell for everyone in the land to hear we are filming uh, yeah. usually in AD. But um, when you're when I guess like if someone already has this this vision that you're not masculine enough to be the director and you have a guy with a very loud voice yelling for you yelling action i've been told that looks bad it looks like you're not in charge and i'm like you just wouldn't say that to a guy um Uh anyway i I went down the road Uh (laughs) why are people giving you so much uh, unsolicited advice
2: like i want to just like go and be like be quiet like you've accomplished so much
3: anyway thank
2: you i yeah. appreciate that how
1: many yeah. movies you've made like do uh, you, you think they would realize that you know what you're doing by yeah. this point right
3: i would hope i would hope so i i and that's i i take it as a sign of you know if if somebody gives a sign like that early on that they're going to be like that at this point i just think this is you know not an opportunity worth taking <laughs> if this is your attitude i i went to a meeting kind of recently where a guy said um I said, uh, you know, he asked for a story. I said, the 12 year old thing, you know, and he goes, and he just goes, I could have done that. <laughs> I was like, <gasps> okay. Oh, <laughs> Why wow. would you say
1: that?
3: <laughs> He's like, I didn't do that, but like, I could have. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm really glad. I <laughs> felt like you could have done
2: that. It's like when people look at like a Picasso painting and they're like, yeah, you know, it's just like a bunch of lines. <laughs> it's like, no, it's like, it's way more than, okay, sorry, I'm gonna go on it. It's, box it's or so or something. It's so
3: funny. These these people and I just thought this is an indicator to me that I I don't think I want to work with you just because I wouldn't if he told me something that he did no matter what it was even if he said I just made a really nice cake today I wouldn't say I could have done that <laughs> what kind of cake is it you know I don't know um, but it's it is I just think that there's like people in the industry that they just like to feel like they're you know they know it all or they want to. um be in charge of the sets even if they don't know what they're doing you know there's there's right. just these people that that will come in with an attitude unfortunately and um I've tried to learn how to you know deal with this better but I, I think it's something as you get hired to do projects like you know there's going to be someone with the with the uh attitude <laughs> at times and it has to be anyway sorry i don't remember what the, i started thinking what was the question how did we get here but uh yeah i i well, think um
1: to yeah. address what that jerk told you the other day um like i tried to make a movie when i was uh you know 15 16 a feature and we shot one day and then we never shot any anything else and i, I knew it wasn't gonna happen so i didn't even bother editing it but like it's like it's very challenging to, to, to shoot anything long, long long-term, especially when you're younger, when people are more flighty or whatever and not take necessarily taking it as seriously as you are. But my question is, so you made your movie when you're 12, you know, you made your first feature and then I see, you know, on your IMDb that you made your next feature like four years later when you're like, what, like 16, 17 or something like that, or maybe a little earlier. It's like, so my question is, how, how like like what was the response to your first feature and then yeah. how did you stay motivated to make your second one so quickly
3: well it, it sounds like you exactly understand what <laughs> that the problem is even if you are as passionate as you can possibly be at a young age the people that you need to be there because it's a team effort, first a group project make a film, they will not, they might not share that enthusiasm to be there every day or to be working for that long. Maybe they want to work for like 30 minutes, but then they want to hang out. And it's, yeah, that's exactly, um, you know, what, what we went through. And on the second film as, as well, (laughs) found a little bit more kids that were interested in film by that by that point. But um, kind of what happened is after the first film, the documentary did some festivals and, and me and my mom went to uh, slam dance, and we went to some of the other festivals. So it was kind of a great learning opportunity for me at that age to be kind of getting a, a glimpse at what some of the festivals were like without because my film was, you know, wasn't great. <laughs> it did not go to festivals or anything. We just put it out, you know, um, just made DVDs ourselves and just sold them on the internet, you know? And, uh, but the documentary did festivals. So I got to kind of see without being too invested in a film, you know, kind of as an observer, what you do at a film festival and what the the process is like once the movie is done and you're trying to sell it without having the, the stakes in it, like the filmmakers did. And um, so that was, that was kind of the time after the documentary and the first feature. And then after that, I, I started up on the second feature and what uh, Liz and I were talking about before we started recording was about kind of why we might write horror comedy <laughs> over comedy at times, I'm mean, sorry, over uh, straight horror at times because I was saying when I write straight horror, it kind of feels really melodramatic. And that second feature I did was, just melodrama times a thousand. Like, it was just, it was so bad. Like, it was like, I was trying to be so serious, you know? So Like, when a middle school writes a poem, like, about death or something, you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it was so difficult. And and we had a lot of difficulties filming it, even more so than the first film. There was, like, a hurricane that came through, and we had to, like, we lost the location, we had to reshoot everything, had my first panic attack, <laughs> you know? It was, like, you know, wow. a bunch of just... Uh, difficult uh problems there were some really great people involved as well I don't want to say it was just entirely difficult um people that I continued to work with when I got to my my third film but it was kind of this time when I was like in 10th grade I would say it was like (laughs) this is a very difficult time for me trying to make this movie it didn't wasn't what I wanted it to be but I was learning that my voice was maybe not in that style which was a, a nice lesson to learn early on so then my third film uh, which I made when I was seventeen. Uh, it, it I leaned into the horror comedy, and it was so uh, in the voice I wanted to to be working in. So that it was a nice learning experience with the second film going into the third one. And Twilight was a big thing <laughs> at the time. It was all over my my uh, high school, and so I I kind of made something that was my own kind of take on being a teenager at the time of the Twilight phenomenon, without being like a direct parody of twilight it was just very much influenced by that and i had somebody say you know why don't you wait till you can raise more money and do this when you're older and more experienced and i said because twilight won't no one will be caring about twilight 10 years from now we gotta do it now uh so we that one we did in indiegogo to raise money and that was the first time we were like you know really really raising money the the second film i was literally selling my stuff. I was like, I don't play guitar. Here's electric guitar. Who wants this $50 towards the film? Like that was the second movie. The third movie, we made a budget, we raised money on Indiegogo. Um, and we had, I think, like about $30,000, which to me at 17 sounded insane. <laughs> like, this, is, <laughs> this is gonna be great. And uh, found some more, kind of a mixture of adults and teenage crew. And cast. So it wasn't entirely a bunch of kids messing around. It was, there were, there were adults there that were helping keep the set going. Um, and, um, my parents, I think were relieved to not have to be <laughs> the adults of the set. They could kind of come and go and be supportive, but they didn't have to be telling the kids, Hey, calm down to the- <laughs> the film. And, uh, and then that film got into South by Southwest, and that and we sold the film from the festival. And then that kind of felt, in a way, I kind of talk about that movie more like my first movie because it kind of had the the life of a movie. From, you know, we raised money all the way through. We sold the film, and the other two movies was really like felt more like a kid trying to figure out. to make movies in my opinion. Did
2: you submit feature two like to festivals or did you do anything different from
3: feature one? I think I did. It was not good. I mean like it was just like you know it was it had problems. I wouldn't have accepted it to a film festival probably but I did I did learn a lot and and there were just a lot of still you know people that I have continued to work with from the second film as well, so it was it was good. It was good to get you know. Don't they say there's like that second feature slump?
0: Yeah, sophomore I was slump.
3: Yeah, fifteen. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like okay, that's done. <laughs> and then, but the third film is still very like you know. I poured all the you know resources I could into just getting a nicer camera, which at the time was a DSLR camera. That was like the new yeah. hot thing, <laughs> and that um. Uh, you know, that felt a lot nicer than what we had been shooting on camcorders, on tapes, you know, before that. That's, it doesn't seem, that felt so advanced. You know, at the time, people were telling me how lucky I was to be on tapes and not doing, you know, real editing, you know. Yeah, Um, wow. But it was, uh, I can't believe how far we've come, because I'll judge, like, a high school film competition now, and, like, the film's, look. way better than than anything that was being made when I was in high school I was like these are this is incredible the resources that these kids have now if you want to see now I'm the old person saying that because now they're like this is nothing (laughs) on my iPhone yeah um so it's and now I made something for Snapchat and we had a a nice camera that we're emulating a cell phone (laughs) you know screen cell phone camera so it's just uh it is kind of crazy how technology has changed since since even then. But um, I feel like with the, with the third film, it was kind of more of a complete story, more so than the first two movies. So it's it made sense that that would be the one. If and and I was extremely lucky that they accepted it because it still felt like it was made by kids. I'm very very and I didn't know anyone at South by. It was a complete. Um, luck stroke of luck (laughs) to get into that that festival it was or you earned your way in with a good movie let's oh (laughs) yeah Yes. no i mean like it still felt like it was made by kids but i I was glad that they saw the merit in it you know it was it was rough around the edges is what i mean but they they weren't they were looking for some you know they they saw the heart in it i think and that i i just appreciate they saw that through the technical glitches
1: (laughs) So, so then what happened after that? Like, this movie gets into South by Southwest, you're 17. Like, do you get a manager? Do you get an agent? Like, what's the next step from there?
3: Yeah, I um. Well, it was, it was so crazy to me because I was doing press for the movie and I was getting rejected from film school. I was getting like the notices that I wasn't getting what? into college, and I didn't uh-huh. apply that many places. But it was I, such a surreal feeling. I was like doing an interview, I was like, oh, looking at my. My email. I was like, "Oh, I got rejected from film school, um, but That's uh, but it's okay. Like, I didn't. I, I was. I. I just decided. I. I went to a very rigorous high school too. I was only one of three kids who didn't go to college right after high school, and um, they made sure to tell me that a lot. <laughs> just like you're not going to college. I'm like, I know. I'm sorry. Um, but <laughs> it was. It's amazing what those kids have that I went to. My peers from high school have accomplished since then. I've been extremely impressed. At very academically minded, you know, people. And um, I, I just decided, you know, I had this great education in high school, I want to continue that I always want to be learning, reading, you know, way more than I did in high school, in high school, I was like, I just want to make movies. And then as I got older, I said, I need to read more, And if I want to write, you have to read, you know, I'm, I need to watch more, you know, behind the scenes, and, and just just always soak in information as if it's I've never done a movie before, because I think it it just uh, makes every movie you make better. You, if you've learned, uh, you know, a lot more between your last film and the next film. And um, so I kind of traded off the idea of college for, um, just just making sure I was constantly learning. And I went the film I sold to uh, uh, Dark Sky Films, which is a, a small horror distribution company, and I um I interned at a, a kind of an internet video company called rooster teeth right out oh, of high you, school
0: yeah oh,
1: yes
3: yeah so I worked there when I was 19 for a brief period of time but then I had I ended up uh, I got a manager and I I ended up uh kind of getting two things at once like my next feature film um which is a Halloween coming of age um uh, dramedy I guess and uh And then I um, got this like, it was a horror anthology made for TV. I'm trying to like figure out a way to describe these things because it was made for a channel that's no longer around called Chiller TV, which was a sister network to sci-fi channel. And so, uh, but it's, it's no longer <laughs> so at the time for you to say, oh, it was for Chiller, but Chiller is not around anymore. So I have to explain that, I guess. But it was, uh, so I, those two things I did back to back. We were raising money for the feature film, getting the date set for that. And uh, I shot the anthology segment for Chiller and, and we made the film. So I, I left Rooster Teeth to, to do that. And after that, I moved to LA <laughs> and then made uh, another film for Netflix called Coin and then um, shot a few more kind of smaller projects in, in Austin um, since then. And that's where I am now, <laughs> I was, uh, 27, about to be 28 in like two weeks. So, wow. that's, that's my whole life, I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I, I kind of honed in on something, you know, something at, you know, what Chiller TV is. I hope that you can piece it together.
1: <laughs> Perfect. I just think of it as like the shutter of of before. Yeah. It's like what shutter is now, basically.
3: Exactly. Yeah. It and it was a great experience and and it did help me get ready for Scare Package because uh well in my segment they were like, Oh, you're gonna cast this guy and he's going to be kind of a featured guy in the next segment. So you have to kind of figure out how you're both gonna use this guy. And so that was you know, we had to work together in some ways but we also all the directors on that uh, anthology didn't didn't know each other I briefly met the director of the segment after mine because we had to talk about this guy we were sharing (laughs) but uh I think we both kind of just disregarded that and did our own our own thing (laughs) I I do remember the guy saying like um if I'm like this in in the next segment why am I like this in yours and I was like because you go so crazy between <laughs> mine and the next one, uh, and he's like, oh, "That makes sense, I guess." Um, <laughs> but uh, I it did help me with with scare package to realize we're all making parts of a whole, and that's just as important as telling our own stories. Are you like? Is your
2: um, how do I say this? Are you? Only making money from filmmaking. There we go. As that, are you I, living your life as a paid filmmaker, and that is your income that is coming in, and that's the only income coming in
3: at the moment? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, at, we're in the pandemic now, so I know. Not as much, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I just try to when a job comes along, just budget to save up, you know, so I, so I can be. Like the the squirrels that are bearing the nuts, you know, outside. <laughs> They're all bearing nuts right now. So I'm watching them. What else do I have to do? <laughs> but I feel like that's what I do when I get a paycheck on a movie. I'm like, okay, bury this, get ready, save it up for the winter when there might not be jobs. Um <laughs> but I just try to um keep track of my fine. I don't think I'm not like rolling in money as a filmmaker, but I just try to But you're making a life, which is
2: like expenses, kind of the dream. Low. Yeah. That's what everyone wants. I think most people want to just to be able to make
3: money making movies i would say so that's like amazing yeah i i think if i if i wanted to go on more trips or you know buy a new car or something i would have to um i'd have to be making more money (laughs) uh but for you know just getting day-to-day life i can you know still living off the last film (laughs)
1: Yeah. yeah Um, so I had a question just about anthology films because you've done three that you've done segments for like, how do you get these opportunities? Do they just come to you like through your, your management. Like how are you getting the chance to do these cool anthology films?
3: Yeah. The first one, the chiller one, I'm not entirely, I don't entirely remember how that came about. I didn't know anyone involved with that. Uh, I, I do remember just getting the call from my manager just saying that they were, wanting to hire me on it um but the second the the scare package one um i i i was sought out because I, I think that the filmmakers the the people in charge the main producers they wanted to make sure that there wasn't just one you know woman or one diverse director and the rest were just like middle-aged white guys like they didn't they didn't want to just be like okay check there's one you know here's, <laughs> here's the rest as all these guys And I I did appreciate that, that they were wanting to be very conscientious about the people they were hiring. It's not the reason I want to get jobs because I'm like checking a box, but that's not what they phrased it to me, which I really appreciated. They were just like, we just want to make sure that we're not being oblivious to the fact, you know, that, that women, you know, have a harder time getting jobs in horror and, you know, that, that they're going to have a lot of filmmakers involved and they just want it to be. A diverse set of, of um, voices. So I did appreciate the way they approached Is it.
2: Is that true about women in horror? Wait,
3: I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, I mean, I just think in general, I mean, it, there's like this stigma, with some, less now, just about if you're a woman. I hope that's one of the things I've said about the sexism I've encountered does not sound like my blanket opinions about about sexism, because it's, it's not you know, everyone has unique experiences, but I think, you know, there's just a there, I guess with, with horror films, there, there's some tropes and ideas that have kind of developed over time, mostly from men from the seventies and eighties about, you know, the final girl and, you know, the and exploitation. And, yeah. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And, um and a lot of this, and she's a virgin and like, you know, or she's pure and, and, and it's not that I, I don't like those movies, you know, but th- there's a lot about women portrayed in horror that came from mostly a, a man's point of view. And um, I think as as time has gone on, I think there's been a more awareness that women need to be behind the camera to give a more equal point of view <laughs> of like what these stories should should be. And um, and I, I appreciate that. But I have seen, you know, some, some boys club at times about, the the involvement of of women in in the in horror I don't I just don't want to be like too too uh negative because I haven't encountered too too much of this but it is something I think because um of of kind of where we come from in the past with horror you know there's just this stigma about that...
2: i wouldn't worry about offending anyone um with your comment because <laughs> i mean i think it's just facts that um women yes. are hired less in as directors i mean it's just statistically yeah. accurate so there must be some
3: something going on
2: behind that right yeah
3: There. well there's a great a really really great um ted talk i um my friend shared with me i but i i'm Ashamed to sh- to share the information from it, but I don't remember her name. I will is send it- you the Naomi McDougal Jones. Yes, it is
1: <laughs> <laughs> previous <laughs> guest oh of the show. Yeah. Oh
3: my god. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, she like I just thought she articulated it so well, so you know what she what she says. But she I but I just want to bring it up again here because um and it's so funny because I've seen I think four TED talks about women in film, but that was the one that stuck with me the most. And I mean, some of them were like more. kind of deviated on other topics that didn't relate as much but what she says about the reason why it matters how women are portrayed on screen is is because it sets expectations for society because our pop culture influences society she says something to that degree like so when you see women only portrayed through the lens of a man's point of view for the most part on screen um it does influence the way women get treated in society because that's what pop culture does for us, you know? And, and I thought, and I'm sorry if I butchered that from what she says, but I, I did think that I saw a lot of truth in that, especially in horror and kind of how women in horror are, what the expectations are, you know, behind the scenes, in front of the camera, you know? Um, and I, I think that that is something that can be changing these days so I feel like there's more awareness and I I feel very passionate about that. I, I love teen movies <laughs> as we've as we've discussed. And I've I've made a lot of, of teen centered material, but I do love horror movies and You know, if you take a break from horror, I don't want people. I mean, I I made a couple movies before. I've done returned with horror with scare package and and a short film I did for Snapchat. But I've still always maintained a love of horror, and it's something I feel very passionate about being. You know, making movies in that space because I think you know if you love it and you want to make horror movies, I think the genre needs a lot more women (laughs) to be providing you know, different points of view to what we've seen in the past. No,
2: I just, I feel super naive. Like I didn't really, I didn't even think about the breakdown of gender and horror at all. Like, I just haven't thought about it. Cause I think of horror as this like fun little, like subversive genre that gets to like do gross things and shock and offend people. And that's why I like it. Um, and also like the metaphorical nature of it. But um but that's why I asked that question. Cause I genuinely was like, Oh shit, you're right.
3: Sexism is everywhere. Like. I didn't <laughs> unfortunately, <of. laughs> but it's, you know, um, I have had experiences with um, sexism, unfortunately, you know, and, and I think of most women in this industry have, yeah. but I do feel optimistic about the future because I just feel like there's more and more um, awareness of, why why there needs to be changes and and I think that there will be um you know moves in that direction. I, I just have to believe that because I can get bogged down in feeling, you know, or I see a movie trailer and I'm like, did a guy direct this? <laughs> <I see> the <laughs> credits like, yes, yes they did. Um so it's just uh you know and, and the other thing too is like I just also don't want to be limited because I'm a woman either I don't know if you've been told this sorry, I'm like divulging all these things that divulging, I used it correctly that time. Uh-huh. All these things that people have have said to me, but it's not the majority of things. But it's just I think when someone says something that makes you feel insecure, it's like it sticks with you more than someone saying, Hey, good job. You know, someone says something like, you know, negative. But um you know someone said to me once you you should really only be making movies about women and I just was like that's you would never tell a guy to only make movies about guys (laughs) like it's such a strange thing to say and I've had stories where I've I've explored okay should this be a male or female protagonist and I say, well I just think the just what the story requires it should be a guy but let me just write you know in the voice of a guy I actually know and not just something that's not or or and also a part of myself as well like I'm not trying to it's so funny when guys read the dialogue I've written though and then I realize he's talking like like me that's not great <laughs> but I think um you know I I want to not be told I have to only write for women but I do also feel very strongly about like half my scripts have have female protagonists and half have male protagonists I think because that's just what these different stories have demanded but I feel strongly that we should be having more women on screen being interesting and flawed and people, you know, and that's it just to normalize that they're not all virgins with ripped shirts.
1: Great, <laughs> <laughs> right, Exactly. Well, I think it's good that we talk about these things because I think like, you know, like change will hopefully happen and continue to happen, you know, but I think talking about it and voicing it is, um, is a good step in the right direction because if we don't talk about it and we hide it, we keep these terrible stories to ourselves, um, you know, then uh, it it doesn't help anything.
3: I agree. Yeah, for sure. It's, and it also helps you under, like when I first started to experience things that I suspected were sexist, I have some bad, uh, radar at times. Like, and one of them is like, is someone being sexist to me? Like it takes a little while for that to percolate. Another one is I can't tell when people are, are high and I was just like, he's eating a lot of pie. It's <laughs> like, he's eating my food now. What's wrong with him? Uh, so I can't, I have some, <laughs> some like blinders sometimes, but, um, I don't see. Smoke or drink I guess so I don't notice, um, but uh, I, I but I do have that up at times because I assume people are not you know being sexist or intending to be sexist or misogynist, you know, but then later you know, I do some reflecting, and I think okay that that might not have been entirely respectful, or would they have said that to a guy if that's still bothering me a couple hours later, you know, if someone said this to a dude, you know what would they think and Um, or I'll share it with a friend and they say, you know, I wouldn't get away with saying that, you know, and so it's, it helps me to, yeah, be able to kind of talk through these things and, you know, see you guys' reactions help me, helps me too, to be like, oh yeah, that, so that wasn't right. Okay, good. (laughs) Check that off. (laughs) That wasn't cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, another thing I try not to do is say females too often. Guys love to say that. They love to say the females in movies <laughs> like you mean the women <laughs> like they're not in the zoo um but uh that's another thing I'm, I'm working on to try to like make it equal you know just to keep the discussion I, I mean I think it, the term female filmmakers is so prevalent in our you know vernacular it's like it's hard to not say uh, <laughs> female filmmakers but it's it's also you know we're just we're just
0: directors right
3: it's like we're just like writers directors. sometimes we're not just females <laughs> like um it's just sometimes it's, it's so odd so i've heard people say like it's just i don't really know that many females to draw from <laughs> i'm like i'm dogging to one right now um <laughs> so
1: that many females to draw from wow
3: thanks uh i mean it doesn't it's it's just so – we just have to keep it, you know, hey, it's it's just normal to hire women the way it is to hire men. And we should but, – but right now, because it is so unequal, we need to pay more attention to to it, I think. Or if I was right. an executive, I would say that. I but I, I don't know. I think maybe I got a little bit defensive
2: on your behalf unnecessarily. But, like, I wouldn't want to be told you're being brought on not just as a diversity play, but as a, like – extra diversity you know what I mean like I don't want to be told that like they could be the truth and maybe they they're like less evil of a person because they're contributing to diversity in art but I want them to say we just want you right We. Just oh yeah you.
3: I mean the, on, on scare package I for sure felt a lot of respect like that Good. they they just liked me as a filmmaker and I guess that's what I meant it was refreshing that they were paying attention like because I just think sometimes it's completely unintentional, but then the film is done and there's five just white dudes <laughs> that are not, yeah. you know. Right. So so I think I, it was just brought to my attention that they were paying attention to who they were hiring, ah. but also because we were, it was like a kind of an Austin production I'm from Austin um, that they were, um, you know, like they were like, wow, we didn't like think we could get you for this. We're so excited. You're just like a, a person from Austin that, that we respect a lot. And I, I felt, absolutely nothing but respect on that film, which was so refreshing to me. uh, To be treated, you know, like just a, just a director, (laughs) you know, not, not like, um, you know, a 12 year old director or differently, because I'm a woman just 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 respectfully and that that really meant a lot to me
2: i have one last question alric do you have another question you want to go before me no 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 i think you should go um this is a a liz question sorry about this um my question was (laughs) do you do you feel like people put you on a pedestal because like i certainly am like oh my gosh emily's so cool she's done all these things (laughs) like she's so prolific like um, do you feel like sometimes people treat you with, and pun intended, kid gloves in the sense like, where they um, exalt you a little bit, or and do you like that? Does it bother you, or do, or does that factor in to your lifestyle at all? Like, do you get emails all the time? Like, what is it like?
3: <laughs> no, definitely not. Uh, I I I appreciate that. I I well I I guess um, I I really try to um, stay true to my voice, which I feel like I've, I kind of found early on, like about the time I was 17, 18. I was like, okay, this is the voice I I like to work in. And and it's grown, you know, as I've grown as a person, but I, I do feel nervous because I never dyed my hair blue or like cut it all off or anything crazy. Um, you know, or I didn't get any strange scars on my face or anything like that, that there was this, this, idea from Zombie Girl, the documentary on the the film when I was 12, that I haven't aged that much. And I have had to, I've had random children message me on Facebook, asking to talk to me about film. I was like, please, I'm an adult. Like, please don't message me on Facebook. Um, and I, you're lucky I'm not going to be creepy to you, but just be careful. Moving forward, a lot of people in film, you need to be careful. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, and they think I'm 12, I guess, is the problem. The other kids think, hey, we can make a movie together. I'm like, I'm not 14. Uh, so I think, I think I do get nervous at times oh have I changed enough that people see me completely different than when I first started making films when I was 12 um, because I've you know found a voice I'm comfortable with as a, as a director but um, and I've still made movies kind of about teenagers this is I, I guess maybe part of the problem <laughs> I don't know um, so I, I guess uh, I get nervous about that about have you know how I'm being portrayed to some people um and why I get nervous about the documentary but it's a great doc and it helps you know I think other kids learn and I I should just feel I'm sorry I just got an Apple watch and it's telling me things I thought I silenced it um I don't know how to, I don't know how any technology works I should not be making things about teenagers um but um I guess that was a rambling answer to just the fact that I get nervous about start how I started my career as so young and then being perceived as an adult now you know um because I was told like why why should they you know you're at the time I was 23 on this one movie they're like you're 23 like why should they give you whatever a million dollars to make a movie like you need to you know show up in person Spielberg
2: when he made jaws i mean i know he did duel before it but wasn't okay and right so he, well do you
1: do like a few movies anyways
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> said, you're 23 you need to come in person and explain to them why they should give you whatever million dollars for this movie uh and i was like well, you know i'm still gonna be 23 when i arrive to that meeting <laughs> like that age is not gonna change um And I I think also people don't understand that as a director, people don't just hand you a check. You have your line producer and your your team that handles the money. You just get paid, you know, out of that money. So I think I I get nervous about being portrayed as younger than I am or less experienced than I am because I just don't look all that different from the time I first came onto the scene, I guess. But I am at peace with that and I'm excited to... keep making movies i haven't gotten was very kind of you to think people put me on a pedestal as far as i know that i have not aside from random facebook messages from 12 year olds i've not gotten a lot of like like a lot of that if if it if it
1: helps at all i i looked at your imdb when we first were gonna have you on the show and i was like oh my gosh she's made all these features and all this stuff um i had no idea you were 12 when you made your first feature like i just assumed she just made a whole bunch of features um so maybe I don't know just one person but like you know maybe that perception is what other people see too they don't just see a 12 year old you know that you started when you were 12 or whatever um, yeah I, I appreciate I didn't that. even know until Liz told me and I just yeah, looked right before I the interview the and I was like oh my god
3: it's <laughs> <Wow, that's> amazing <laughs> well I I just I'm always striving to not be like you know for the work to speak for itself not be like oh that's the girl who was 12 who is now an adult <laughs> like or that's Here's a female. <laughs> like, I just want to be making right. good movies that hopefully people enjoy, and that's that's the dream.
1: I want to say one more thing, which is, I don't know if it's helpful, but, like, to me, you know, I know so many people, and I'm sure we all do, who's made a, the first feature... And then they either don't make anything for a very long period of time or they maybe they don't make another feature at all and they're just done and they do something else. And so the fact that you made your first feature when you were 12 and then you made your next feature when you're like 15 and your next feature when you're 17, it's just like, holy shit. This puts you on a completely different level than like any other filmmaker, regardless of age. Right. Because usually it's the first feature and then it's a break. And then if they do it again, that they do it again, like a few years later. And so the fact that you were so consistent is like extremely impressive. So, you know, and I think that's something to remember is just like, yeah, like you can make one movie, but it's not just that one movie. It's the next movie and it's the next movie and it's the next movie. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of what I've been thinking about as my, for myself at at 35 is like, oh my God, like I made one movie, but I got to make the next movie and the next movie and the next movie. And so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that means yeah. but it's No, important. exactly.
3: That is so important cuz a lot of the advice that gets put out there is about getting get your first movie made, you know, and that's that's that is important. It's it's a giant hurdle and cuz once you know you can do it, you know, that's that's a great, you know, thing to have in your mind as things get difficult moving on, but I think that's a great thing to think about is what is the next one? How am I going to make the next film? And and it's also very, I think, reassuring to, to be a reminder that it takes sometimes years to make the next film. And that doesn't mean anything right. for that person. You know, it's, it's not it's not any kind of like failure, like sign of fa- failure. And that's something I have to tell myself a lot because yeah, we filmed. What you said. What's the most recent thing you filmed? And we're saying scare package. I just said I filmed that in twenty eighteen. <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> uh, and I'm like, why haven't I done more? Um, is what you know goes on in, in my head. But I try to remember that thing that people say is like talk to yourself the way you would talk to your friend. Not to not like you know you wouldn't say that to your friend. You know, <laughs> so to right. say, hey, you're doing great. You know, everyone is in this right now together, and all all we can do is be you know, safe right now and writing. I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm just trying to write and read and learn and be ready to go once things are safe again. But um, I think it's, you know, you just read about a lot of, or at least I do, a lot of filmmakers I admire and they say, you know, when did you come up with this idea? And they say, I came up with this idea 10 years ago. <laughs> you know, I wrote this script eight right. years ago. We just filmed it last year, you know? So that is part of the process you know, of, is, is your whole career and that sometimes maybe the next thing comes along a couple months later, maybe it's, um, you know, five years later, but it's, right. it's all okay.
1: <laughs> well, I think that's a perfect place to end and to get to our final five questions. Um, I'm going to go first. So what's the first film you ever made? We already talked about it, but how do you feel about it now all these years later?
3: Yeah. My first film was called Pathogen, a zombie movie made when I was 12 uh i do not watch any of my films (laughs) you know i haven't seen it in many years uh but i mean last time i saw it it was you know maybe 14 or 15 (laughs) i don't know um and uh i think when i when i look back on it now i think um it shows that how passionate i was to learn and to figure out how to frame a scene and why you frame a scene that way and how to get performances out of actors. And, and I also just see all the love that went into it, like all the work my mom was doing to put zombie makeup on people's faces. And, you know, the support from my my dad and the friends I was making in the film scene. So I see I see a lot of, like, love in the film from others that I appreciate. And also, I, you know, where I was starting out, I guess. I haven't seen the movie in a long time, but that's what I remember. I'd love
2: to do like a Shia LaBeouf moment for you where we're watching you watching Pathogen. I think that'd be pretty oh, no. amazing.
3: It would um, just be like completely drenched in sweat. Like, <laughs> like I came out of a swimming pool or something.
2: Um, what's the best filmmaking advice you've ever received? Oh yeah,
3: I, I love that question because I still use it to this day. And I think I even brought it up earlier. Um, I, can't, I want to credit the people who said it to me. I was... I was 10 and I went to the, a screening of the Raiders of the Lost Ark adaptation. Do you know what I'm talking about? Raiders, yeah, the kids, exclamation la- point, right? Isn't it? Yeah. 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 They, they remade the Raiders of the Lost Ark when they were teenagers. It took them many years. And, uh, and I was 10 at the time. And I too shy to ask questions my mom made me ask the question <laughs> she's like you know you want to ask it so i said you know what advice do you have for another 10 year old who wants to make movies and they said you don't let anyone tell you what you can't do like learn to trust yourself and um you know to always just persevere and you because you you'll get you'll get there if you just keep you know trying and keep keeping good you know optimistic attitude towards it so i've carried that with me ever since then <laughs> and, and it was great to hear it from someone else who was trying to make movies at that age.
1: Do you have a goal as a filmmaker?
3: I guess my goal, because we're talking about are you making money, just making movies, right? I guess my goal would be to be able to do that forever <laughs> to be able <laughs> to make make enough money to live on so I can I can keep making movies and uh, and movies that I care about, not just um, you know. Oh, this is just a job or something. I mean, I haven't had that many projects like that, but, um, you know, just be able to tell stories that, that I'm passionate about that hopefully resonate with other people and to just make my living off of that. It's not like to make a Marvel movie or something, you know, I just want to be able to to just keep doing this. Um, if
2: you could go back in time, what piece of advice would you give your younger self? Oh,
3: yeah, good question. I guess, like, it's something I'm still, trying to tell myself um you know to just trust that um I guess I learned this on one movie I guess and and I and I try to take it forward and I would tell myself this on my first movie is that you're there because people trust you to be the director you don't need to pretend to be what you think someone else wants you to be as the director you know you're there because you got hired or you're there because you traced the money and put their time into it because they're trusting you to to do your job and to to make the, the set good so you don't have to be oh I think they want me to be like this today so I need to I need to be like this or this, if I only just bought coffee for everyone, I wouldn't tell my 12 year old self to buy coffee for everyone. But, you know, if, if I just did this, like everyone would like me or so, you know, it's not, um, you know, just, just be, you know, be there, trust your, trust yourself to, to be the director, because hopefully that's what everyone else is doing.
1: Uh, and then lastly, is making movies hard? Is,
3: is that the, that's the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. And I, I do think directing can be particularly lonely, and in a way, um, and but I also think it's just there's something extremely magical about the teamwork of of uh, you know seeing what everyone else brings to the vision from the actors to the editors to the even the color can bring such a life to the movie that you weren't aware of you know um, and I I think that it, in a way when it's right, it all falls together effortlessly. And that's not hard at all. But, but getting to that place is hard <laughs> to get raising the money and being prepared and um, finding the right people and, and the right project, you know, just having, it, having all those pieces ready to go. That's the hard part. Um, just so you know, we, there were like 80 questions that we didn't get to because it was ah!
2: uh, <laughs> an actual conversation. Um, but where can people find you, Emily?
3: Um, I'm trying to spend less time on social media. Did you guys watch that documentary? Yeah, on Social Netflix? Dilemma.
2: It's like it's warped my mind. I'm, I know. do I even go on Facebook anymore. I don't know.
3: Yes, um, but the, you're one of the people on Facebook I log on to see. Like I'm just like, what is this? Um, but um, there's like five people on Facebook that I I read the posts. Everyone else is like, I don't know. Did do you have a baby? What's this? <laughs> yeah, or <laughs> Oh, I know you had a baby. I just mean like there's there's people I don't I don't look to to see. But um, yeah, I I've, the only nonfiction um, I, I read is kind of about how social media and technology is ruining our lives. As I just bought an Apple Watch, but um, I feel like um, I'm trying to. You asked a question that I'm gonna get to. I'm, I'm cheesy nuggets on everything <laughs> at cheesy nuggets. But I uh, I try not to check it, I guess, that often because I watch that documentary and I've been reading all these books and I'm like, this is ruining our brains. But I guess I have to do this because it's part of our our the entertainment industry. So is you can't horrible? not be on it.
2: Can't there be like an audience building platform where we don't feel like we're selling our souls? I would love that. Yes. Let's all do yes. that.
3: And especially these days, yeah, my screen time went up. They are like, your screen time went up 50% to, like, three hours. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. Because I was doing so well, just not checking this stuff as often. And then, you know, the last few days, I'm, like, just absolutely glued to it. I have no memory of, like, just doing anything in the real world the last, like, three days. <laughs> like, it's, like, glued to my face. Um,
1: I was curious, where did cheesy nuggets come from? Like, is that... Some inside yeah. joke or like, what's the origin? Uh,
3: just a twelve-year-old thinking it was funny, like it just completely, just out of nowhere. Apparently, it's uh, some weed thing again. Blinders about things related to <laughs> alcohol and weed, but um, but that's okay. Um, it's uh, but so like on Xbox or PlayStation, you know, when I'm trying to create a screen name. You can't get anything close to cheesy nuggets because that's like the <laughs> stoned people. Completely taken. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I got it on like Twitter and Instagram and um, you know all those all those places. But yeah, so I'm cheesy nuggets. Cheesynuggets.com, all that, all that stuff. Um, awesome. But I'm I'm not on there too often. I'm trying not to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did have a tweet go viral early on in the pandemic, and it's still plaguing me. Like this is like May. I I like watched a movie, took a funny clip of um the movie where an extra was doing something funny in the movie and um I still get notifications every day about this tweet. It was on a buzzfeed list the other day. It was no. on the A V Club. It's like I'm just like this is and then the internet was mean, of course, because it got like the Popular. tens of thousands of things. They're just like, this is what movie extras are told to do. You hate movie extras. Don't you understand how <laughs> oh. movie sets <have> work? <laughs> I'm
2: just like,
0: I, oh, I promise
3: you it was just like a funny thing we noticed watching this movie um but still every day um where I wasn't checking the, the stuff but then I got like a message from a stranger that's like you're on BuzzFeed and like <laughs> these
1: these oh my gosh anyway
3: I hate the internet is the point and um and I would delete it all if, <laughs> <laughs> if, it was, if I could.
1: that's funny wow um, amazing
3: I'm sorry, that was such a strange note uh, to, to go into, but I ha- I've been and thinking about think this whole the
1: way time. we should end the show as like, I would hate the internet and I would delete everything if I could. Show Goodbye. Thanks for joining us.
3: I appreciate um, being here and talking with y'all, and I want to see all the movies that, that y'all make. I'm so excited.
1: Oh, thanks. Thank
2: you, Thank you for joining us. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Thanks to Emily Hagens for making this episode happen. Check out our website, makingmoviesishard.com, where you can find links to the things we talked about on this episode. If you want to get in contact with us, send an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at MMIH podcast. I am at Liz Manischel on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm also Liz Manischel film. There we go. All right, what what are you? Where are you?
1: I am Alric B on Twitter and Alric Bracel on Instagram. And you can find me on Facebook. I respond to everything. Um, go to our YouTube page and leave a comment on our latest episode so we can respond to it. <laughs> yeah,
2: please do. <laughs> I felt like less alive this past week that YouTube. Page, I know. So We need I to, know. we want to see, we want to promote it, it
1: more. You know, we're not yeah, promoting it as, as much That's, as we should be.
2: I need to work on that. Um, Okay, well, if you like the show (laughs) or if you don't tell a friend, tell a friend you do Uh, help us get the word out. Leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And thank you so much for listening. We will. Oh, thank you. Do do we know the editor? Thank you.
1: Uh, Thank you. Me.
2: Thank you, Alric, for editing. We appreciate it. Uh, And we will talk to all y'all next week.
1: This week we have writer and director Emily Haggins on the show to talk about Haggins. Oh my God, I had to look it it up. Okay, let me try it again. This week we have writer-director Emily Haggins. Haggins. Okay.